Welcome to Thrive Radio. Welcome to Thrive Radio. Expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible. With your host, Amy Montgomery. I'm so excited to have you on. So can you share your journey with us and how did you become an executive coach and especially in technology? Yeah, I, so I spent about three decades working for the same company. I started as an intern while I was still in school as a programmer. And I fairly quickly moved through the ranks and ultimately end up running R&D for that company. And I did that for the probably about 25 of the 30 years that I worked for them. And then I shifted into a role in sales for about a year and a half. And then I finished out my career with about four years leading the product management strategy for the same products I'd spent much of my career building. What I found throughout those three decades, so my favorite part of the job was always mentoring and coaching other leaders and helping them grow. And I loved it so much that at one point, I was the executive sponsor of our corporate mentorship program. And even when we didn't have something formal going, I would just sort of organically find an up and coming leader who was ripe for mentoring and coaching and just take them under my wing. And so I went through a bit of soul searching towards the end of 2020, the second midlife crisis. And I thought this really does energize me at some point. I really do want this to be my full-time career, but I thought it would take couple more years to get there. And then I had a good friend who, knowing that I wanted to head in this direction, said, look, I've got somebody at my company that we would pay you to coach. And that forced me to spin up the business. And as soon as I did that, and I had my first actual paying gig, I realized I love this way too much to wait three or five more years to make this my full-time job. And so I started working through a plan over the course of 2021. And in the back half of 2021, I left my company of 30 years, which was a big leap for me and formed my own practice. And that got me in the habit of connecting to people on LinkedIn and making sure that anybody that I knew that I was connected to them. And man, am I grateful for that just silly little side competition, because when it came time to launch my practice, I was overwhelmed at the response from my network on LinkedIn and my network on Facebook. I didn't, I underestimated the value of that network and how strong that response would be. And basically everybody I'm coaching right now came out of that initial launch that they said, well, if you're coaching, then yes, sign me up because I'm ready for coaching and and you're somebody I trust. And the second part of that for me was realizing I spent most of those 30 years being my authentic self. There were points in my career where I had a leader that wanted me to sort of pivot in a different direction that was just too far out of my comfort zone. It just wasn't me. And when they stretched me, I would always come back to center for me. And that really has paid huge dividends because that did allow me to build up really high trust with people. And and that is why people have reached out and said, yes, please come coach me. Because the most important thing in a leadership coach or any kind of a coach is that you've got high trust and you're willing to be open and candid and know that conversations could be confidential. And to, to have the kind of response I got, I had three clients from my old company that I shared with them, look, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving to follow my passion. You'll be in good hands. It's the typical thing you do as yeah. you leave a company who responded by saying, well, if you're going to do leadership coaching, then I want to hire you. And I hadn't expected that. And it was overwhelming. 
That's amazing. You're right about LinkedIn because when I started on there, I started in August. Like I had my my LinkedIn shut down, private, like no photo type of a thing. Because when I used it, when I worked for Deloitte, I I used it to really like investigate people that I wanted Mm -hmm. to do business with. And I just creeped me out that all the information you can find about people. So I was like, I'm locking mine down, even though people can pay and have access to everything. Right. So, yeah. So when I started in August, I did the whole optimize. I did my training, optimized your profile, optimized my profile. And then I, I started just to send messages to people and do my podcast. And what's been interesting for me is as I've built relationships with people on LinkedIn, it's way different than any other platform out there Yeah, yeah. because people are rooting for you and it's more of a, a team type of a feel. And when people contact me now, they're like, Amy, I've been watching you. I really love what you're doing. And this is a part of what you're doing that I would really like to do in my business too. And I get more of that type of conversation than it ever happened to be like super salesy. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. When a professional comes to you and they're feeling overwhelmed and they feel like that they can't keep up with everything that they've got on their table, what do you say to them? How do you help them? Well, I think everybody's situation is a little bit different, but certainly coaching on productivity and dealing with overwhelm is, it, well, one, it's something that happens all the time. We're all overwhelmed pretty much on a daily basis. And I recently did a whole series of blog posts on this. So there's a link to my blog in the show notes, then people can check that out. But one of the first things that I tend to tell people is help them put it in perspective. One of my favorite phrases is, you know, Western civilization isn't going to crumble to the ground if you showed up sick tomorrow, or if you didn't respond to that email, et cetera. We get overwhelmed and then the littlest thing can set us off, right? And we just, we lose perspective of that. So that's been a mantra I've used for years. Every time I feel the overwhelm coming on is to take a step back, look at the source of it and say to myself, okay, is this really a big deal? Or is this just a whole bunch of little things adding up that's causing that on me? Then there's several things that I'll do Almost always there's a remodeling of the calendar, right? To look at how it's structured and to pull it apart. There's a look at the meetings that you have. The pandemic, one of the things it did to so many of us is great, we don't have a commute, but we're literally on Zoom from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day with no breaks in between. And there's a lot of techniques you can use to manage that better. And then really the helping people with focus and distractions and getting into a planning ritual and a cadence to really get more structured about it. What is your zero email inbox methodology? So this is a technique that I got from uh, getting things done by David Allen. And if you're looking for a detailed structure on putting some productivity and organizational structures in place, that's a great resource. But when I was leading R&D for my company, we had a training week where everybody would come in from around the country for a full week of training and all of the executives were expected to teach a class themselves. And I taught a class on getting email under control that was based on this methodology. It was such a hit. I've taught it now to hundreds of people and it is like my go-to resource when somebody's looking for a quick win with productivity for their organization. And what it really boils down to is 
a lot of people, they leave all their email in their inbox, right? But it, if that's just how they're used to doing it. And if you have 20 minutes to work on email and you come to an inbox and you're staring at hundreds of emails in front of your face, it's really hard to decide which one you should be focusing on. Uh-huh. And you, it's very inefficient. You waste a lot of time just trying to make that choice. So the zero inbox methodology helps them get all those emails out of their inbox into it, basically a triage structure because not every email is created equal. So uh-huh. I encourage them to have your folder of stuff that really are fires, then the things you want to get to today, then the things you want to get to this week, and then all the other stuff that you'll get to someday if time permits. And always sweep out your inbox first thing in the morning to get things into those folders. And then when you have 20 minutes to work on email, you go to the fires folder. And if it's empty, you go on to the today folder instead of just randomly picking whatever happens to be staring you in the face because it's what came in 30 seconds ago. What are the best ways to manage your time and schedule? One of my favorite books here is a book called Make Time by Jake Knapp and John Zaratsky. They've got like 87 productivity hacks that you can try out to help with that. But like the biggest thing for me is remodeling your calendar, right? So you go back and you look at your calendar and you've lost control of it. You've got meetings on there that you really shouldn't even be attending, but you just, you, you didn't think, didn't occur to you, you could say no, or you've got FOMO, fear of missing out, that something will happen in that meeting that I want to hear about, even though I don't need to be there. So I will work with, you know, my clients to just rip it apart. I say, let's start fresh forget all of these for a second and plan out your optimum meeting calendar, which includes at least two chunks during the week for true focus time where you've got three hours undisturbed to work on something that really requires full focus and concentration, but also plans through breaks. You know, when Zoom fatigue started hitting me during the pandemic, I went back and I said, all right, I need an hour for lunch. I need a 30 minute break in the morning and I need a 30 minute break in the afternoon. And I just put that on my calendar as a repeating set of appointments for the rest of time. And then when somebody stepped over top of it, I'd move those breaks around rather than deleting them so that I could preserve my sanity. Yeah. Yeah. The other one that I love to do there is, uh, and they talk about in the book is what they call infinity pools, right? YouTube, Netflix, Facebook, they're all infinity pools because you open it up and they just keep serving you more and more content, right? And it's easy to go down that rat hole. For me, YouTube is the worst, right? Their algorithm is just too good for me. I finish a video and then the next thing they offer up, well, that looks interesting and it's only five minutes, <laughs> five, five, five minutes. minutes, right? And so they say, you've got to find what your kryptonite is there with those infinity pools and figure out how to shut that off if you really want to be productive. So for me, it was literally uninstall the YouTube app so that if I need to get to a YouTube video, I either go to it in a browser or I install the app and I watch it and I uninstall it. That extra friction to get it started is enough of a deterrent that I don't get sucked into that infinity pool. Yeah, it's easy to do that. My, I get on TikTok and yeah. and could go forever. I, I've gotten better now. I think it's not as much of, it's not as exciting as it used to be when I first got on it, I think, as far, as far as novelty goes. But yeah, it's so easy because it's, they're 15 second videos, 30 second videos. And you're like, oh, it's just 30 seconds. It's 30 seconds. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, and so then suddenly you, three hours go by and you're like, well, that hours was a later, lot of 30 you're like, seconds. What? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In what ways do you help professionals accelerate their growth? 
Yeah. I mean, everybody's situation is different, which is part of what I love about coaching. But certainly one key part for me is helping them understand their communication style and how it varies with other people's communication styles. Because, you know, it's easy for us to think that everybody else thinks like we do and acts like we do. And after a while, you come to realize that there's differences, but it's hard to really appreciate those sometimes. And I spent a lot of time helping people view things from different perspectives, right? So I've been told by my clients and friends and family over the years that this is something that I'm really good at. When somebody brings an issue forward, helping them reframe that issue from a different lens that perhaps sheds new light on it, maybe take something that feels really negative and see a positive way to reframe it and to get better empathy for the other people involved in that situation. My favorite example of this, uh, a guy who used to work for me, he always comes back to this and tells me how much, how impactful this was for him and how he's used it ever since with his people as well. We always met in my office. He always sat in the same chair at my circular table. And so I sat in the same chair that I sat in all the time. And one time when he came in, he was dealing with a particularly thorny issue and he was trying to sort through it. And so I thought, if you've ever, if you sit in the same chair or the same space, if you've ever gone around the table and sat in a different chair, it looks really different, right? And you don't think about it. And we've been sitting in these same chairs for two years at this point, right? So I had him write his name on a post-it note, put it in front of his chair on the table and talk through the challenge for me and ideas he had about solving that challenge as himself. When he was done with all of that, I had to get up and move one chair over to the right, sit down again. And I said, now let's pick a different perspective, okay? Now, why don't you pick me as your boss? And think about this challenge from my perspective. So he wrote my name on the post-it, put in front of that chair. And he went through the process again, but now deliberately thinking like me and, and seeing a different view of the office as he's doing that. Then we went to the third chair and I said, okay, now let's you know pick a different one. And if you want to have fun with this exercise, pick like the fictional characters that are special to you. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I could see doing this exercise. <laughs> let's look at it the way Captain America would look at it. Now let's look at it through Thor's eyes. Now let's look at it through the Black Widow's eyes. Now let's look at it through Hawkeye's eyes, but just different perspectives and different seats. And it is amazing how it opens up your mind to different possibilities and different ways of thinking. And you realize there's other actions that I can try that just sitting in my normal seat, thinking things in the old way I always think just don't occur to me. Yeah, that's really powerful because how many times do we not intentionally sit down and think of things from somebody else's perspective that you're working with. You get yeah. so into like what you, it, it's hard to, yeah, consider what they might be thinking. Yeah. And this is where a coach can be so helpful because there's only so much of that that we can do ourselves. But when you've got somebody else asking thought provoking questions and challenging you a bit, they can really help you get into that different perspective and expand your way of looking at things. Yeah. So can you share some of your programs with us and how you work with clients? Because I know you have several. The vast majority of what I'm doing is leadership coaching, leaders at any level of an organization. And that's typically, we start out as a six-month engagement. And what we do up front is I do an everything DISC assessment. This allows us to understand their communication style 
It's great when I'm working with a cohort of leaders because then each one of them does the assessment and then they can use that tool to see how they match up with each other. So that's really great when you understand that, okay, I have the SI style, so I'm less likely to have conflict. I want harmony. And so I'm going to let a lot of stuff gloss over, sometimes to my detriment, whereas this person that's a colleague of mine has the D style, they're dominant, they're drivers, they're going to be direct, they're going to be candid, they're probably going to be the first one to speak up in a meeting. And if they're too over the top with that, other people might not have a chance to get their voice in edgewise. When you think those through and you understand those differences, you find out ways that you can adapt your style to be you know, a better leader and a better communicator. I also do 360 feedback interviews. I'll talk to their boss, a couple of peers, a couple of direct reports to collect that feedback. We take that and we bring it back into a report that's anonymized so that nothing can be attributed back to who said it, but it really helps us find the blind spots for the leader, the things that they didn't realize other people see that are challenges or opportunities for growth, plus things they didn't realize were strengths. That's probably the biggest thing that comes out of these is you told me that this was a weak spot for you, but everybody I talked to said this is a strength for you. So maybe this isn't as weak as you thought it was. Let's take another look at that. And then we do fortnightly coaching over the course of the next six months. And that's really coaching territory that's controlled by the client. So we come together and every time I ask, what do you want to get out of our time today? And then we'll just work through. And a lot of times it'll be something that happened in the past weeks or something from the goal plan they put forward to said, okay, I really wanted to get better at delegating. So let's talk through the techniques that you have for delegating. Let me talk about this example where I don't think the delegation went well and how can we tease that apart? Those kinds of things. That's great. Delegation is so important. I think that's like the number one thing that most business owners deal with where it's passing that on, passing, delegating and, and not focusing on the stuff that you really shouldn't be focusing on when trusting it, people to get things done for you. It's kind of my go-to whenever I'm talking to a prospective client, because 95% of the people I talk to when you throw out delegation go, oh, yeah, I got to get better at delegation, right? <laughs> it's either there's one camp, which are the people who they delegate, they just do it poorly, right? So they're dumping on their team. They're not giving them good guidance. And so it's not an effective delegation. Their team feels overwhelmed. And then there's the other side, which was always my challenge, which is they're, they're unwilling to delegate because they don't want to overwhelm their team, right? So they feel guilty. So they keep too much on their own shoulders because they don't want to overwhelm their teams. And, and my tip for that is if you have a good relationship with the person that reports to you, you sit down with them and you say, look, I suck at delegation. It's not that I don't have confidence in your abilities. I have lots of confidence in your abilities, but I'm afraid I'm going to overwhelm you. So let's make a deal. You promise me that when I've put too much on your plate, you will tell me the moment that happens. I need you to promise me that you can do that. Can you do that? Yes. Okay, great. Now I am going to delegate to you mercilessly until you cry uncle, basically. Yeah. And if you have a good relationship with your employee, you, they will cry uncle when they get there. Every time I've done that, I've been amazed at how much more they were capable of than I would have thought before, just giving that opportunity to stretch and grow. Yeah, definitely. So with that, can you share some of your client success stories with us? So probably my favorite one is the first person I ever mentored. So I was a director. He had just been promoted into management. 
And at the same time this happened, his boss went out on maternity leave for four months. So she asked me, he was dotted line into me because of a program I was running. And she asked me if I would take him under my wing and just help make sure that he comes up to speed on management. So we fell into a mentoring relationship by virtue of that. And he's wired a lot like I am. And so it was so much fun to watch him grow because it, things that took me three years to get good at with us working together, he had them down in like six months, wow. right? I'm so proud of him. And at some point I was envious too. And I realized, man, I wish I had a coach and a mentor like this to help accelerate my growth that much at the same time too, right? And we have stayed close friends, even as we've gone to different roles in different companies. And now he's a chief operating officer, right? And that story I told you about how I got started, he's the guy who came and said to me, look, I'll hire you to coach somebody at my organization if you really want to do it. And when I dragged my feet a little bit, he was texting me the next morning saying, hey, we're ready to go. Did you figure out your rates yet? So he did what I had done to him many times over the years together, which was he likes me to push him and to drive him and hold him accountable. And he did that to me. He's, he said he pulled a Josh on me, basically, and pulled <laughs> me over the starting line. Yep. So <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah. So he's probably my favorite one. Yeah. That's good. So one last question for you. If you're able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? I think I'd go back to the top. Grow your network. Don't be afraid to grow your network with everybody that you, because you never know when that's going to be important to you, not just if you're launching your own coaching practice, but you're looking for that next job, you're looking for that mentor and absolutely be your authentic self. If there's something I could change along the way, it's those places where I moved out of that mode for whatever reason, and I knew it was uncomfortable. I'd say, what, when someone wants you to be something, just, you know, politely decline. Yes, have a growth mindset. Yes, always stretch and learn, but continue to be your authentic self. I love that. So Josh, if there's someone that's listening, they would love to get a hold of you to work with you. What's the best way to contact you? My website, aratepursuits.com. And it has all of my contact info there in the footer of every page. There is a link where you can schedule time with me uh, and get on my calendar or certainly reach out to me there via email. I'd love for folks to follow my blog as a my blog is there on the website as well. I post once a week. I try and not keep it too long, but also give people useful, actionable advice to help grow their careers. Perfect. And I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Thank you, Amy. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you're listening and you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com. Thank you, everyone. And have a wonderful week. Thank you.